0: Well, good morning, church. Well, with that introduction, I thought maybe I'd been bumped from preaching today. I didn't know. I didn't know somebody else was gonna be speaking today. So we're kicking off a new series, uh, God's Design for a Full Life. And we said last week that we believe that God is gonna do far more in 24 than ever before. And I believe for that to happen, we have to recognize that God wants to do something in us so God can do something through us that we are spiritual beings, and we're here to hear from Almighty God. So I want to jump right into it. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Taken from John chapter 3, a remarkable passage, an incredible conversation about spiritual matters. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said... We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have come to the earth, come to our world through Jesus Christ. You have come down from heaven to teach us spiritual truth. And Lord God, we know that your word tells us that it is only through the Holy Spirit that we can have new birth and have a spiritual life. So Father God, I pray that you would help clear up any misconceptions we have today about spiritual life. Lord, you know better than all of us that there are all kinds of uh, teachings out there about spiritual life. We want to be grounded in Holy Scripture. We want to be grounded in your truth. We want your Holy Spirit to work in us. So Father God, you will be able to work through us. So give me the words to speak. Be in me, Father God, through the Holy Spirit and speak through me now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Nicodemus is a respected, religious, highly educated, influential leader. And he knows a lot, but he wants to know more. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you know a lot about God, but you're hungry to know more. Now, Nicodemus came to see Jesus in the dark, but you've come out into the light. You're here in the morning to see Jesus, or you're watching online. Now, somebody may watch this later in the week at night, but you're here this morning, listening this morning. I'm preaching this morning. I want you to know this, that Jesus Christ is willing to meet you wherever you are. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes at the closing that says, he will meet you here. Where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, he is present. We're talking about spiritual truth and spiritual matters. Now it's interesting to note that also Nicodemus came in the dark to speak to the light of the world. Maybe you feel like you're in darkness today But we want to introduce you to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Now, Nicodemus was confused. What do you mean? How can an old person be born again? That's a fair question, right? And maybe you're hearing this message, reading, hearing this word read, and this is confusing to you. How is it possible for someone to be born again? You mean I, I, I get a start over? I, 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 can, I can start over? I can get a second chance? That's the truth of the gospel is that God has come to give us a second chance, a new beginning. You know, for Nicodemus and most Jewish people, they didn't believe they needed a second chance. They believed because they were Jewish, they had a birthright as God's children. And, and, and maybe you, under the misconception that well, I was born into a Christian family, and that makes me a son of God or a daughter of God, a child of God. But Jesus says, you've got to be born again. Even Nicodemus, a, a learned, well-respected, very religious person who knew all the answers or most of the answers, you've got to be born again. So I want you to hear that this morning, that all of us need to be born again. You know, some rabbis taught that Abraham guarded the gates of hell to make sure none of his descendants would wander in there. That's how they believed they were already in the kingdom of God, by birth. The Jews were and still are looking for the Messiah in a new world where they are preeminent. But Jesus came declaring that he is preeminent And he is the source of life and new life. And I believe they had one of the most impactful conversations ever recorded in history. And the first truth that we hear in this teaching from Jesus is we are born of water and the spirit. We are born of both water and spirit. Jesus is establishing that we are physical and spiritual beings. What he's saying is we all have souls. Everyone listening Everyone on this planet has a soul. I I saw a headline the other day, a tragic headline that said, five brave souls lost their lives in a helicopter crash. So the media, as non-religious as the media is, and many times far away from God, puts on the headlines that five souls were lost. Philosophers believe that we have souls. Theologians believe that we have souls. Aristotle wrote about our souls in 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 some of his writings and teachings. He says there are three souls he believed. The first is the nutritive soul, and that's made up of plant life. He believed that a plant had a soul. The second, It's going to make a lot of you really happy because you spend a lot of money on dog food. Um, And that is the sensitive soul. That animals have a soul. That's Aristotle's belief. And then he had, thank goodness, there's a third soul, the rational soul that humans have. Now, the Bible doesn't speak a lot about the souls of plants and animals, but it does speak about the soul's of human beings and the bible says there's nothing that's more important than your soul more important than your heart and more important than your mind and more important than your physical body is your soul as we begin 2024 we're wanting to be in better shape physically nothing wrong with that we all are trying to eat better nothing wrong with that We're all trying to learn more, read scripture, starting with Genesis, reading through the Bible again. We're all trying to do that, right? And that's good. But folks, if we don't work on our souls and don't allow the Holy Spirit to renew our souls, all the rest is not real beneficial. So we're going to have some soul conversation today. Here's what the Bible says in a few verses, just a few I picked out. Ecclesiastes 12, from the message paraphrase, Life, lovely while it lasts, is soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, ends. The body is put back in the same ground it came from. The spirit, or the soul, returns to God who first breathed it. In the greatest commandment, Jesus summed it up in Matthew 22, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, And all your mind. And then Matthew 16, Jesus again speaking. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I don't believe so. I agree with Jesus. That the most valuable part of our lives is our souls. For John Wesley, the soul was a tabernacle where the spirit of God resided. We are physical, and we are spiritual. Now, I want you to hear this. We all have souls, but we don't all have the same spirit. We all have souls, but we all don't have the same spirit. Why did you say that? Because not everybody listening has experienced the new birth of being born again. We read about this in 1 John First John uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4, um, dear friend, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person is. Has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. We all have souls but we all don't have the same spirit. So the question is, where is our souls? You know, we can go to the doctor and the doctor can order a CAT scan and or do an amazing heart cath and we can actually watch on the screen as as the doctor cardiologist will run a, a catheter and do a heart cath on a screen while we watch into our heart. I want to ask for a raise of hand. How many of you have had that done? But some of you, I know, have had that experience. You know, we can do a CAT scan and, and, and look at our brains and, and uh, look into our minds uh, in that way. But what about our souls? How do you identify the location of your soul? Well, another great Christian philosopher, Pascal, says we all have within us a God-shaped vacuum that inside of us is a God-shaped Shaped vacuum that cannot be filled by any created thing or being. And I believe Pascal is describing our souls, that we have within us this vacuum that can only be filled by by God Himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we try to fill that vacuum with things, created things, try to fill that vacuum with people, with possessions, they don't fit. Because that vacuum, our soul, is not designed to worship that and to worship those things. A God-shaped vacuum. Now, as I watched you come in today and throughout the morning, I know there's many people that walk through the doors that I know personally, and I know that you're born again. I know that you've experienced new life in Jesus Christ. I know the spirit that's within you. I've, I've heard you speak. I've, I've, I've watched you serve. I've watched you worship. And so this message, you say, well, I'm already born again. What's this message got to do with me? Well, I want to share with you something very important in just a moment. But also I know there are people that walked in the door that I don't know, and I'm not sure that they've been born again. And I know in a room this large with this many people, more than likely, there's a person or two or three or four or many or people watching online that have not yet experienced the incredible awakening that Jesus is describing to Nicodemus, that you must be born again, be born again. So I share with the men Friday morning, I meet with a bunch of men. We had uh, almost 90 men that gathered on Friday morning at 6.45 a.m. to pray. And I said the three most important prayers that we can pray in 24 for God to do more than ever before is number one, is to pray to be born again. If you're listening and you want God to do more, you must be born again. You you must invite God to awaken you and, and bring your soul to life. Number one prayer, be born again. Number two prayer, for those who have been born again, this is for you, is that sometime in 24, that you will allow God to use you to pray with someone to be born again. That God is gonna bring somebody in your path, somebody into your office, somebody to your table, and they're gonna ask you a question. You know, I've got a lot of problems in my my life. Somebody I prayed with this morning says, would you pray My, my, my wife has left and I've lost my job. Let me talk to you about how to be born again. Can I pray with you right now so you can be born again so God can give you a new beginning? What's the third prayer you pray? Is that if you're a born-again believer, you have a list. You have a list of loved ones, children, grandchildren, parents, neighbors that you want to be born again. You know that they're lost and they need to be born again. Three most important prayers. Pray yourself to be born again. Pray with someone out loud, in person, to be born again. And third, keep praying for that list of people to be born again. Now it says, Jesus says, we must be born again. You must be born again. It's not an option. Well, you know, I want to follow God, but I don't want to do that born again thing. That sounds painful to me. That sounds like i got to let go of some things and start over, and ah, I'm not sure. Can I get brownie points? Can I get extra credit? Can I, can I, can I get credit for the, the good things I've done so that I don't have to be born again? No. It's not an option. You look at the Greek there, born again means it's, it must, the word must means it is a necessity. In fact, when we stand before God, when we're born again, here's the good news. The Bible talks about this. When we're born again, the Bible says that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And one day when we stand before Almighty God, at the end of our life, when when we go into God's presence, either our name is written there or it's not written there. It's a necessity to be born again. So if you're listening today and you're not sure you've been born again, you're in the right place because we're going to, the Holy Spirit is going to be knocking on the door of your heart to invite you to be born again. It's not being more religious. It's not trying to be better a person. It's not trying harder. It's simply surrendering your soul to God. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Movement, was asked, why do you preach so often we must be born again? His answer was simple, because we must be born again. Why, why are we talking about this on the second Sunday of January, 2024? Because we must be born again. And I'm going to be held accountable As your pastor, one day the Lord said, did you preach about that being born again thing? Some people have come up and said, you know, I don't think he ever mentioned that. Not me, I'm good. Lord, I shared with them that Jesus' words were clear. You must be born again. There's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Wesley also said, go to church twice a day, go to the Lord's table every week, say many prayers, hear many sermons. Nevertheless, you still must be born again. It's not how many sermons, how much communion you take, how much good you do. You must be born again. Why? Because we're sinners. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I love this statement. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin. Because I'm a sinner. Anybody here connect with that? Sinning does not make me a sinner. I'm a sinner, and therefore I sin. It's called original sin. It happened and began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and we've been disobeying God ever since, which makes us a sinner. Now the good news is, is we don't have to stay a sinner. The good news is we can be forgiven people. I can be a safe sinner. Anybody here a safe sinner? I'm a safe sinner. Thanks be to God, right? Jesus said these words in Matthew 10:28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They want to take you out. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus is saying that human beings can kill the body. They do kill the body, but they cannot kill your soul. I believe they can injure your soul. I believe people can break your heart. They can wound you, but they can't kill your soul. Jesus is telling us that our souls are going to continue beyond death. And hear this. What happens to your soul is under God's prerogative. You don't get to choose, when you die, what happens with your soul. You choose that before you die. Because God has a final say about our souls. Whatever crazy religion teaching is out there that may be saying, well, you know, when you die, your your soul just kind of floats around, and there's like all these different things you can do, and you can just pick what you want to do. That's not what the Bible teaches that our souls are under the control and the prerogative of Almighty God. Colossians 2 says it this way in a very simple way. You were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. Anybody here relate to that statement? Because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. But God made you alive with Christ and God forgave all our sins. We owed a debt because we broke God's law. That debt listed all the rules we failed to follow. But God forgave us that debt. He took away that debt and nailed it to the cross. Amen? The power of your sinful self has been defeated at the cross. In order for you and I to do far more in 24, we've got to live and walk in the truth that Jesus Christ has defeated our sin. Jesus Christ has forgiven our sin. Jesus Christ has forgotten our sin. And Jesus Christ gives us victory over our sin. Amen? That's a spiritual truth when we are born again. Near the end of World War II, in the Kasi Battle of Iwo Jima, there were around 3,000 Japanese troops that didn't know the war was over. The island had been won The allies had 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 victory, but the fighting continued on for days. In fact, the last Japanese soldier surrendered six years after that battle. it's, It's an analogy of what we live and how we live in a spiritual reality. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected, he defeated Satan. He defeated sin. He defeated death completely. The war is won. There will be no reversal We don't have to wonder, did Jesus, really? no, Jesus won. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. We're doing a Bible study, and Michael kicked it off this past week. I'm up this week on Revelation, and I'm teaching this week, and I really only got one line. Jesus wins. It's really a confusing book. Jesus wins. It's really hard to understand what does all this imagery mean? Jesus wins. That's the truth, Amen. We believe that. If you're born again, you have that hope. And if you want to do more in 24, you've got to cling to the truth that Jesus Christ has won. And when we battle sin and we fight against sin, people see the power of Jesus Christ in us and they go, there's hope for me too. There's hope for me because what Jesus Christ has done in you. We have won, we will win, and we can't lose. Somebody say amen to that. But there are people who cling to the notion that humanity is naturally good that we don't need God in our life. I don't know where that comes from. You know, if you look, you know, do a search on social media, there are people who believe that we're okay. We don't need God in my life. And where does that come from? Not from Aristotle, not from the Greeks. Aristotle said, there is no good in humankind. Judaism, Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? We don't get it from Christian teaching because the apostle Paul said all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Where does it come from? Where does this illusion that we're okay without God come from? I believe it comes from philosophers. I believe it comes from secular humanists. I believe it comes from psychologists. I believe it comes from the depths of hell. That we don't need God in our lives. It's a lie. Don't believe it. Jesus said, clearly, you must be born again. As humans, we've rebelled against God. You know, it happened in the Garden of Eden where the environment was perfect and there was no heredity on which to blame it, but it still happened. Why? Because God gave us a free will. We must be born again, but we are not all born again in the same way. You know that, right? We all must be born again, but we're not born again in the same way. Well, I'll give you an example of that. Whenever Lynn was pregnant with our firstborn, Ashley, we were in Lamaze class. They still do Lamaze classes? I don't know. You know, I think young people today just go have babies. I don't know. I don't, they don't go to class or anything. We had to go to class. We had to figure it out, you know? Uh, and uh, and so we're in the last Lamaze class. It's, it's, we're getting ready to have a break. And I asked a stupid question. I say... Has anybody, has any women's mom's water broke during class? We just talked about water breaking and all that. That was an important part of the class. And, and they said, no, that's never happened. And Lynn stood up and, you know, the water broke and here we are, you know. <laughs> so, you know, now we've got to run to the house and get the bag and all that stuff and go to the hospital. And then it began. Seven and a half, eight hours of intense labor for Lynn. As we sat in the room and watched the heart monitor go up and down and up and down, the oxygen rate go up and down. And it was obvious that, that Ashley was in, in distress. And we were getting stressed out because she was in distress. She was in trouble. And I never forget whenever the doctor finally came and said these wonderful words, we're going to put her out and we're going to send you out. I go, thanks be to God. That's good. And Lynn said, Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then there was an emergency C-section as Ashley was born. Aaron, on the other hand, because back in the day, when mom had a c-section, that she automatically had a c-section a second time. So Aaron was scheduled at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, we go to the hospital, 8:15. I'm holding Aaron, you know. This is the way it should be, right? This is good, right? But the analogy is that some people come into the kingdom of God and are born again, kicking and screaming. Others come in just very gently. You know, Lynn was blessed to grow up in a Christian home. Her mom and dad took her to church every Sunday. She began began to follow after Jesus Christ very early in her life, and it wasn't long till she was born again. Me, I grew up in a non-Christian home, and it was a struggle. It was a fight. And I came into the kingdom of God kicking and screaming. C.S. Lewis, the great... A Christian philosopher became bitter toward God when he was 10 years old because God didn't answer his prayers for his mother to be healed. He was sent to boarding school where he became an atheist. He received a degree in the classics and philosophy from Oxford University in 1922. But all of his questions about God kept coming back. It was through the writings of C.K. Chesterton and the contemporaries like J.R.R. Tolkien that his arguments of faith were challenged. He says he began to believe in God in 1929, but it wasn't until 1931 that he was born again, that he fully surrendered his life to Christ. He went on to write the great Christian classics, Mere Christianity and the Chronicles of Narnia. But he wrote this. He says, I was the most dejected, reluctant convert in all of England, drug into the kingdom, kicking, struggling, resentful, and darting his eyes in every direction for a chance of escape. He wanted wanted nothing to do with Christianity. But the hound of heaven wouldn't let him go and pursued him till he was born again. And some of you know what that's like. Peter became a Christ follower as a roughneck fisherman. He had a rocky start. He was fishing and Jesus called him and he followed. The Apostle Paul came to Christ as an agitator, as a persecutor, as a murderer. He was blinded by a light on a Damascus road and became born again. See, conversion is not always dramatic, but it is always profoundly radical. And we cannot save ourselves. 1 John 3, 9 says we must be born from above. Born again means to be born of God. And my friends, the good news is when we're born again, we become a new creation, we become a new person. I love 2 Corinthians five seventeen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. It's incredible to experience new life, to be born again, but also born again into a new family. John writes it this way in John 1:12 through 13, but to all who believed him, and accepted him he gave the right to become children of god they are reborn not from a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan but a birth that comes from god have you experienced the birth that comes from god every one of you in this room have been born of water or you wouldn't be sitting here but have you been born of the spirit have you experienced the birth that comes from god now, last of all today, when it comes to being born again, we must choose to be born again. We must choose. God has given everyone listening their free will. You can choose to be born again or you can choose not to be born again. God is not gonna force that upon you. It's called free will, the freedom to choose. Will you be born again? It's my prayer that that happens across this room today or online. John 3.15, we read it a minute ago, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. John 3.15, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And it comes just before the most famous verse in all the New Testament. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, their soul would not perish but they would have eternal life. That's my prayer in 24, for you to know eternal life, for you to lead someone else into eternal life, for you to praise someone to the kingdom. I read a story about a Hindu woman named Panteta, and she went to school in England, and while she was in college, she decided to convert to Christianity. She was baptized and began to study how to defend her new religion to her family and friends. But two years after her conversion, she came to the realization that she had merely changed religions. Her faith was in the external formalities of Christianity and not the person of Jesus Christ. She was a Christian in name only. So she bowed to the ground, got on her knees and gave herself completely to Jesus Christ. Her life was dramatically changed because she was born again. Her faith was now in Jesus. It was personal, it was heartfelt, and it was dynamic. In 1905, she began a prayer meeting with the 500 residents of the orphanage she had founded. They began to pray for conversion, not just for Hindus, not just for Muslims, but for Christians. Christians in name only. And maybe you're here today and you say, I'm a Christian but do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? She said, I realized from my own experience that many Christians have a superficial faith based on the outward formalities of Christianity, church membership, baptism, attending church, but not faith in Jesus Christ. Out of that prayer meeting, a great revival was ignited and spread throughout India. Multitudes of Christians encountered the living Lord Jesus and their lives were changed. Young orphan girls went out from the orphanage preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ezekiel describes what happens when that happens. What happens when we're born again? Ezekiel 26, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. My friends, being born again is not a renovation. It's not a remodeling project. It's not a reformation. It's not a resolution. It's not about becoming more religious. New birth, being born again is regeneration. It's having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Unless we're born again, there's a light that we will never see. Unless we're born again, there's a life we can never know. Unless we're born again, there'll be a peace we'll never experience. Unless we're born again, there'll be a love we will never share. Unless we're born again, there'll be truth we'll never understand. Unless we're born again, we will never enter into heaven. Unless we're born again. And today, that needs to happen. For some and for some of you you need to go and share that truth with others so how are you born again it really isn't that complicated i'm going to give you three words first is repent repent which means to turn away from my sins secondly is to receive jesus christ into my life into your soul come into my life, Jesus Christ, and respond as a a follower of Jesus by being obedient to him. I want to live your way. And now you give me the power to do that. And then you rejoice. You rejoice. So I have a really short prayer I want us to pray this morning. It's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of receiving. It's a prayer of response. It's called the Jesus Prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, son of god have mercy on me a sinner will you pray it with me lord jesus christ son of god have mercy on me a sinner lord jesus christ son of god have mercy on me a sinner if you have repented if you have received you are born again in the name of jesus christ Your sins are forgiven. Your victory is guaranteed. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you believe and receive Jesus Christ. By this simple prayer of faith, by telling God that you're a sinner, by turning from your sins, by inviting Christ to come into your life and save you through his Holy Spirit, you've been born again you are a new person you are a new creation you have a new beginning you have a new purpose a new plan at the age of 14 when I gave my life to Jesus Christ my life changed dramatically and has been changing ever since as God continues to work in me I cannot even imagine where my life would be I don't want to imagine where my life would be if I was not born again I don't, don't want to imagine where your life's going to be if you're not born again. So let me pray with you. Father God, you're here in this room. You're here in someone's living room. You're in someone's car right now. You're through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you're speaking and you're knocking on the door of people's hearts. And Lord, you want them to receive new life. You want to be in a personal relationship with them. You want to forgive them and cleanse them and change them and give them a new beginning and invite them into your family. And Lord, I pray that right now that's happening all across this room. Lord God, that you're moving in a powerful way. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and changing me, giving me a new life. And thank you for those who've received that today. Lord, help me to Be very, very intentional as your follower to speak to someone, to pray with someone to be born again in 24. Lord, help me not to give up praying for those I love to be born again in 24. Lord, thank you for being in this place. Thank you for meeting us here. We need you now more than ever before. Amen and amen.